0: Hello, I'm Joseph Planta. This is number 0671, the Stuff File program with Peter Anthony Holder, and it comes to you right now.
1: The following program is brought to you in living color. Now, it's time for an eclectic mix of interviews and some of the oddest news stories you'll ever hear. It's the Stuff File program with Peter Anthony Holder.
2: Hey there, hi there, ho there! Peter Anthony Holder here with you, and yes, this is indeed another edition of The Stuff File Program, number 0671. And coming up on this edition of The Stuff File Program, Natasha Dean is the author of the YA novel The Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad. It's the story of an aspiring screenwriter with plans to go to Georgia for the summer but plans go awry. Her
3: big goal for the summer is to ask out her crush, the soon-to-be Mr. Tuna Rashad, Tristan Dangerfield. Except Tuna's brother, Robbie, his spouse died suddenly, and Robbie is grieving. Robbie's grief is sort of like drowning the family. So Tuna decides that what she's going to do is she's going to help Robbie get a life, or at least get out of her life and stop meddling. It's the tagline with grief-stricken brother, ticking clock, and a crush who doesn't believe in signs and wonders. You know, what what could possibly
2: go wrong? Our old friend Yogi Akal is celebrating a milestone birthday, but he wants a special organization to get all the presents by raising funds for Haven Toronto. A day shelter for homeless men over 50.
4: On my 70th birthday, instead of having a party, I thought, why don't we do something for Haven and celebrate around the 70s. So it's 70th year for me, but 700 kilometers for people over 70 days to collect $7,000. And that $7,000 feeds 7,000 meals. That's just a month's worth of meals. And what I like about Haven is they have clients from over 60 countries in the world, even though they're in Toronto. They got started in the 1970s So they've been around a long time, and they never turn anyone away.
2: Mark Hartzman from WeirdHistorian.com talks about a unique car in the early 1930s that was billed as the car of the future. It was called the Dynosphere.
0: It's an amazing vehicle. It's very odd. It was featured in Modern Mechanics in June 1932. Basically, it was billed as the car of the future, and it had just one wheel. It was one giant wheel. That was the entire car. The inventor's name was Dr. John Purvis. He's seated inside of this giant wheel, and the wheel itself is like a, a lattice work. So as the wheel turned, as you sort of drove down the road, that lattice shape would create enough of a window so you could see through the wheel. Or you lean out the side and see what in front of you which does not seem ideal
2: and there's lots and lots of stuff file news and of course an idiot of the day the guest later the person who told you this was show number 0671 was joseph planta who is the host of an excellent podcast that does interviews called on the line it's based out of vancouver and can be heard at the commentary.com Thank you very much, Joseph, for doing this week's edition of The Guest Slate on a show that is listener-supported, fan-funded radio that depends on you for our success. Join us at patreon.com to help make the show an even bigger and better radio experience. Well, let's get right to the stuff. A man walking outside a motel in Northport, Florida, saw the dog in the shadows, but didn't think anything of it. It was on a long leash. But as he walked by, it bit him. It wasn't a dog. And that wasn't a leash. It was its tail. And the animal was an alligator. The man pulled away his leg, leaving a chunk in its mouth. There just happened to be a sheriff's deputy driving by who called in medics. Another deputy captured the gator, which was taken away by a professional trapper. The man was hospitalized, but his condition and diagnosis was not disclosed. Well, I can go out on a limb and make a medical diagnosis. Extremely poor eyesight or absolutely no night vision.
0: I thought you said your dad did not bad. That is
1: not my
2: talk. 26-year-old Galen J. Morris of Indianapolis, Indiana... ...was pretty suspicious of her boyfriend, Andre Smith, also 26. Police say she put an Apple AirTag on his vehicle to see where he went. After noticing his car was parked at a pub at midnight, she went to see for herself. He was with another woman. She confronted him and allegedly tried to smash a wine bottle over the woman's head... ...but Smith protected his date. The bartender told Morris to leave. She didn't go far... Investigators say she watched as the couple came out of the pub and ran Smith over with her Chevy Impala, backing up over him, and then pulled forward and parked on top of him. She then got out of her car and again attempted to attack the other woman before being detained by police. She was charged with murder and has pleaded not guilty. Well, she says he was her boyfriend, He clearly had other ideas. I also suspect that Galen's dating life is just about over. When a customer at a Carl's Jr. location in Oklahoma near Tulsa sat down on June 20th to eat his burger, he discovered something extra in the bag, a baggie with a crystalline substance. The manager replaced the man's meal and called police who field-tested the substance and found it was methamphetamine. Officers arrested Bryce Francis, an employee of the restaurant, who was allegedly dealing drugs from the drive-thru window, and told police he had put the packet in the wrong bag. Well, first of all, someone who came through the drive-thru is definitely not going to be happy with their order. Also, could this just be a new salad dressing offer from Carl's Jr.? One
1: of three new premium salads at Carl's Jr.
2: And finally, in this section of Stuff File News, before we get to our first guest here on this edition of the Stuff File program with me, Peter Anthony Holder. Okay, I'd like to think of myself as a somewhat open-minded person willing to indulge people in their whims of fancy, assuming no one is in harm or danger but this next story really has me scratching my head. 37-year-old Miravon Roca Mores says that he's the perfect husband. Married life with him is wonderful. He doesn't fight with me, he doesn't argue, and he just understands me. He is Marcello, a rag doll that was made for Miravon by her mother after she complained about being single. Again. She's 37 years old. And to pile on to the Brazilian woman's joy, just months later, she found herself delivering Marcello's rag baby. It's true. Marcello got me pregnant. He didn't use a condom. Not wanting to have a child out of wedlock, Marcello and Miravon were joined in holy matrimony before 250 guests. And... Where exactly do you get 250 people to go along with this cockamamie idea? Anyway, they spent their honeymoon week in Rio de Janeiro, then returned to await the arrival of Marcellino, an event that was live-streamed. Live-streamed. As in, other people could view it streaming live. That was on May 21st. She says the birth, attended by a nurse and doctor, was pain-free. He was here in 35 minutes. Hmm. Pain-free birth? Come on. It must have at least tickled. Wow. She claimed to have a bun in the oven, or at least a ball of yarn. But I think this marriage might have been a little too hasty. Couples therapy should have been considered first. At the very least... Some kind of therapy. I love you just the way you are. Yep, songs do come true. Anyway, let's get to our first guest here in this edition of the Stuff All program, shall we? Natasha Dean is the author of the YA novel, The Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad. It's a story that has its seeds in Natasha's Caribbean roots. Natasha joins us via Zoom from Edmonton. Hi, Natasha. Hello, Peter. How are you? Just tickety-boo. Thanks very much for uh, having a chance to to talk with us. Uh, This is not your first novel that has uh, a Caribbean background, and you yourself have a Caribbean background. So how much of of you is in the stories that you write? Uh
3: Oh, that's... Such a good question, and that's such a, you know that's such a good question because it's a hard question to answer. You know, on the one hand, like lots, because of course, if your character is a Caribbean, you bring your Caribbeanness to it. Although you and I were joking around earlier that you know, can Guyana really consider itself Caribbean or West Indian, um, <laughs> or are we just South American and we're pretending? Uh, but so, I mean, certainly those those things play a part. But then at the same time, your character is something that is. A complete like imaginative dream um, and so it's I guess it's a little bit of both right uh, a little bit of, uh, of me but mostly uh, my my imagining of
2: what the life would be like for these these characters now you were born in Canada but I understand you went to Guyana at a very young age uh, it clearly yeah. before your de- your, your decision making process was
1: <laughs> was, was, was <laughs> ready
2: for this. How long did you live in Guyana? Five years. So we moved when I was three
3: weeks old uh, from Toronto, we moved back home and then grew up there and when I was like five and a bit, we moved back to um, we moved back to Canada and we actually moved to Calgary and then grew up there for the rest of my life.
2: So even though five is not a completely mature age, was there do you still remember a bit of culture shock when you came back yeah. to Canada?
3: Yeah, I, I do. And, you know, um it's it's a weird place, right? Because like I'm I'm born Canadian, but my experience in Canada is an immigrant experience because this was not the first country I knew. This isn't the country that I grew up in. And there were so many things that were so kind of like wildly different and you know, I remember uh, back home when it would rain, the teachers would just shut off the lights, and we'd make paper boats and we'd float them down the rivers that would form, you know, by the sidewalks and stuff. And um, and then when I came to Canada, like, you know, I remember the first time it rained, and I was really excited because I thought for sure this is what we were gonna do, and it was like, no, nobody, nobody pauses school to float, you know, paper boats down rivers, and I was deeply disappointed. Uh, and I was like, no, this is why, this is why I want to go home. <laughs> we, can, we can float stuff. We can turn off lights at school. Uh, and you did not get to do that in Canada, for sure.
2: So that early awareness, how much of that is infused in the writing that you do for young readers?
3: Um, well, for, uh, for the book that came up previous to Tuna, In the Key of Nira definitely Nira struggled with that feeling of being an outsider trying to fit in. Uh, doing the code switching, you know, living one way in at home and then another way, you know, when she's out in public. For Tuna, Tuna is born in America and grows up in America, so her display of her culture is the um, the embracing of the ancestral philosophy that your your ancestors do watch over you, and so you you know you pay attention to the signs and and the um, the not omens, but like the things that happen in your life, right? Because your your elders who have passed on are looking out over you and and sending these little messages to tell you that they're they're still there and and sort of cheering you on.
2: Now you are a writer, and you're writing the story, the signs and wonders of Tuna Rashad about a writer. How meta is that? Yes. I know. <laughs>
3: It was so much fun, Peter. And honestly, like, uh, to all my writer friends who are out there, you know, we struggle, right? We struggle to get these these ideas on the page and to tell these stories. And I was thinking to myself, like, I know the story beats. Like, what is going on here? And, you know, unlike me, Tuna Tuna's a writer, but she wants to be a screenwriter. And I was thinking, like, you know, I just sort of had this, this hilarious thought that wouldn't it be funny if the chapter headings mirrored story beat headings so you know the story breaks into two you know let the end credits roll um and so uh yeah it became very meta but um but so much fun and then it actually works uh, you know as as a novel but then also as a craft writing novel because you can see where all of those beats fall into place with the chapter headings so it was it was quite a delight and, and quite fun to do
2: Tell us the story of the signs and wonders of Tuna Rashad. What's it about?
3: So Tuna is uh, an aspiring screenwriter. She's leaving for Georgia at the end of the summer. And her big goal for the summer is to ask out her uh, crush, the soon-to-be Mr. Tuna Rashad, Tristan Dangerfield, except uh, Tuna's brother, Robbie, his spouse died suddenly, and Robbie is grieving. And what's happened is Robbie... um, Robbie's grief is sort of like drowning the family and so Tuna decides that what she's going to do is she's going to help Robbie get a life or at least get out of her life and stop meddling and so you know it's it's a tagline with you know a grief-stricken brother a ticking clock and a crush who doesn't believe in signs and wonders you know what what could possibly go wrong so even though it deals with a fairly you know heavy topic the idea of how do we grieve and how do we Move on after we lost uh, after we've lost someone we love. It's actually a very funny um, book that celebrates, you know, family and relationships and sort of going out and 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 being being audacious uh, in in your pursuit of your dreams.
2: In looking over the press material, I came across a word that I have now decided to adopt in my own vocabulary. Tell us what the word to you means of stupidsticious.
3: When you, I love the pause because I was like, what is the word? I'm so curious. Uh, yeah, because she's so, uh, Robbie, that's what Robbie calls Tuna, that she's superstitious to the point of stupidity. Um, And so she is stupidstitious. But for Tuna, and the, I think this is why I really loved writing her, she is just really confident about who she is. She's not going to make excuses. She's not going to, like, come into any space, uh, asking permission to be in that space. You know, she is who she is. And that means that she, you know, I think in one of the, I think how I said it in the book is like, you know, with from Tuna's perspective that um, she is a science girl, she's a math girl, but also, you know, she feels like her elders have a wisdom that shouldn't be um, discarded. And, you know, if her, if her grandmothers believed that their elders were watching out over them, then she will also look out and for the signs and wonders and if that means her brother calls her names then that's his problem not hers
2: how much of natasha is in this chate- is in this character
3: oh i i wish more cuz she's so confident and she's so like um you know just like beautifully brazen about going after whatever it is that she wants and i am... Um, not that like I, I will go after but I'm, I'm so much more anxious than she is and she's far cooler than I feel than I will ever be in my entire life um, and also she was uh, very clever in setting out to be a writer in high school because had I had I known what the publish industry uh, how how difficult it would be to break in I think I would have started writing in the womb and querying agents and editors you know Right, right after I was born, I think that would have been a much better plan. <laughs>
2: okay, okay. So then, let me ask the question this way: How much of your character is a rewrite of Natasha?
3: <laughs> oh, not. I think I think her um, her belief that things will eventually work out, even when things get hard. Uh, her love of Uh, puns and corny jokes for sure that's that's definitely me her love of food her and Robbie's love of food definitely me I will totally follow people home if they give me cupcakes um and what what else is like I just yeah and her uh her loyalty for sure she's very loyal to her her friends and her family um and I would I would hope I am you know that if if they were asked they would say I was that loyal and that loving um towards towards them for sure
2: since the character has a a a caribbean background uh when it comes to young readers do you find that your young readers are someone who gravitate toward a caribbean background or is it something something that is an eye-opening expansion for those who aren't of caribbean heritage
3: you know, that's a great question. I think it's both. You know, I, I think for people of Caribbean descent, people, are, like, whenever we see ourselves represented, no matter how we identify, it is such a, it's such a joy, right, to to see yourself on a page, to see yourself in a TV show or a movie. Um, and then for those stories where we're not part of those communities, um, it's a wonderful journey, right? And, and like you said, it, it's eye-opening. And it's also, I think, World expanding, like all of a sudden we see how big and beautiful the world is, and how many like different expressions of joy and light and love that that could be out there. So I, I think it. I think you're. um You hit the nail on the head. I think it's both.
2: They say you should never judge a book by its cover, but how could you not pick up a book with the title "The Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad"?
3: Big. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I gotta like. Can I just please shout out to my Running Press uh, kids team because that cover is so delightful. Uh, I can't even. I can't even with myself, Peter. Um, and they also did in the Key of Niragani. And if you ever see the the hardcover and the paperback cover of Nira, it's the same thing. Like the designers are just genius. And then when you open it up and you see how they've done the font and all the like the little tiny details, it's. It's just gorgeous. It's just a gorgeous thing to hold in your hand.
2: Well the book not is, not that
3: I'm at all biased.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, the book is The Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad. And I thank you very, very much, Natasha, for taking the time to be on the program with us.
3: Thank you so much for having me here and, and thank you to the audience for spending time with us too. Have a great day, everyone.
2: Natasha Dean, author of The Signs and Wonders of Tuna Rashad. You can go to my website at thestufffile.com to the page for this show, which is show number 0671, and you'll find links to Natasha's site, plus links to either Amazon.com or Amazon.ca, where you can order her book directly. You're listening to the Stuff File program with me, Peter Anthony Holder.
1: There's still more guests, more news, and an idiot of the day. Coming your way on The Stuff File Program. Stay tuned. The Stuff File Program is a listener-supported, fan-funded radio show that depends on you for our success. Join us at patreon.com to help make this show an even bigger and better radio experience. Sign up and find out about our rewards program. Being a patron doesn't have to be a long-term commitment. There's absolutely no obligation. You can join today and end whenever you'd like. But the time we have your support would be so greatly appreciated. We'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show and even your ideas for rewards. Join us for the ride. Join us at patreon.com slash thestufffileprogram. You're listening to The Stuff File Program. Good times start here. Where they end up depends on how good your legal team is. Here's Peter Anthony Holder.
2: And still to come on the program, we'll talk to Aggie Akal Singh Kalsa. Numerologist to the stars about a birthday celebration that he's planning. Also, Mark Hartzman from WeirdHistorian.com has the car of the future. We also have an idiot of the day coming your way, and much more in Stuff File News right here, right now. 68-year-old Maya Murmu of Mayurbhanj, Odisha, India, went out to fetch water for her home but turned and ran when she saw a herd of wild elephants. One chased her down and trampled her. She was taken to hospital, where she died. Her family carried her body to the village funeral grounds, but turned and ran when they saw a herd of wild elephants. Again, one of the elephants attacked, not just carrying away Maya's dead body, but trampling her more and damaging her house. Wow. I know elephants are said to have good memories and carry grudges, but I'm afraid to find out what Maya did for an elephant to carry this much of a grudge. It sounds like this grudge started in a previous life. 33-year-old Jeremiah James Taylor broke into a Park County Colorado Sheriff's substation on June the 20th near Lake George and took off in a marked patrol car. But you can't really completely hold that against him, because at 3.27 a.m., when a call for a domestic violence abuse in progress was broadcast over the police radio system in nearby Teller County, Taylor was the first to arrive at the home siren blaring. The unfamiliar Park County Sheriff appeared intoxicated, and the car was damaged, and when Teller County deputies asked Taylor to turn off the car and step out, he sped away, later crashing into the woods after a high-speed chase and attempting to flee on foot. Finally, Taylor was arrested and charged with four felony counts, including impersonating a police officer. Well, you know, Taylor might even become an asset to the prison guards when he's behind bars. An unnamed 62-year-old man at the helm of a hot air balloon with two passengers was coming in for a landing in Burlington, Wisconsin. Despite the difficulty of making hot air balloon maneuvers around obstacles, he carefully avoided the power lines, but then came an obstruction that wasn't there before the landing. Said witness Aaliyah Underwood, At first I saw the train. Oh, you know this is going to be good, right? Let's go on. Said Aaliyah, At first I saw the train, and I saw the hot air balloon be sucked down by the wind of the train. When the balloon was blown back up as the train went by, then it blew into the power lines. But its passenger basket was no longer attached, having been torn off by the encounter with the train. All three passengers, though injured, survived, and were released from the hospital to recover at home. Well, I hope all three of these passengers immediately went out and bought lotto tickets. And finally, in this section of Stuff File News, before we get to our next guest here in this edition of the Stuff File program with me, Peter Anthony Holder, school children in Alaska were supposed to get milk, but instead got floor sealant. The massive screw-up at Glacier Valley Elementary School impacted a dozen kids and two adults, Sealant was accidentally loaded into a milk dispenser. One child required medical treatment. Apparently, both the milk and floor sealant pouches contained a similar milky white liquid and were both being stored in the same area. The Juneau Police Department is investigating the school's catering company. Meanwhile, somewhere in the school is a porous floor surface that is unprotected by milk. Got milk? Yeah. Yeah. But not where you want it. Anyway, let's get to our next guest here in this edition of the Stuff File program, shall we? Fans of my old radio show remember Agia Akal Singh Kalsa, numerologist to the stars. He was a regular feature on that program for most of its 20-year run. Well, Yogi Akal is celebrating 70 orbits around the sun, and to mark that occasion, everybody can participate in Yogi Akal's Walk for Health, Hope, and Haven Toronto. Yogi Akal joins us via Skype from Toronto. Hello, sir.
4: Hello, hello.
2: Seventy, it's an amazing journey. Yes, yes, indeed. And being the giving person that you are, uh, when somebody celebrates a birthday, usually they get all the presents, but you've decided you're going to give the world presents. So how did this idea come about where you wanted to raise money for this fine, fine organization?
4: Well, I have a history with the organization because, as you may know, I had a lovely dog for 14 years, and my dog was a therapy dog. He was trained uh, through St. John Ambulance and went to hospices and hospitals and schools and parades and participated with people all over the uh, Toronto area. But his favorite place to go was Haven, which is a day shelter for men who are over 50 who are experiencing homelessness. And I don't know why he loved it so much, but every time we would get ready to go, he would go in circles and wag his tail. And, <laughs> and when we would get there, he would make a point of connecting with every single person there. So sometimes there'd be someone who was just sleeping in a corner, he'd go up to them, push his nose against their knee, and without exception, every single person would go, oh, there you are, hello, and then they'd go back to sleep or whatever, to the computer or whatever they were doing. <laughs> when my dog passed, I continued the relationship with Haven, and uh, on a regular basis, I would try to do something with him. So on my 70th birthday, instead of Having a party, I had hoped to have a a disco party to celebrate the 1970s in honor of my 70s. I thought, well, since we're dealing with a pandemic, we don't want people to gather quite yet. Why don't we do something for Haven and celebrate around the 70s? So it's 70th year for me, but 700 kilometers for people over 70 days to collect $7,000. And that $7,000 feeds 7,000 meals. Wow. And believe it or not, that's just a month's worth of meals. And what I like about Haven is they have clients from over 60 countries in the world, even though they're in Toronto. They are they got started in the 1930s, so they've been around a long time. And they never turn anyone away. So it may be 7,000 meals, it may be 10,000 meals. And they're always healthy meals. So, yes, I thought that this would be a good thing to do for my 70th birthday, get people exercising and at the same time, collect some money so that the folks who are living with homelessness can continue to have those healthy meals and we can make a small contribution in that area.
2: So how can people get involved, even if they're not in Toronto? And what exactly do they have to do?
4: Well, lots of folks who are involved, because it's my birthday, are, <laughs> are not in Toronto. Uh, and it's, it's just a fun thing to do. You can go to the landing page of the website. I'll give you that in a moment. And you can just log in. It's free. And then as you go through the next few weeks, every so often you can go in and say, look, I walked this amount, or I biked, or I kayaked, or I, <laughs> I roller skated, whatever I did. And you can fill in the amount that you walked or moved, and that adds on to the total for everybody. That's the virtual party for me. But at the same time, you can be a sponsor, and you can give anything from a dollar to $7,000, whatever whatever floats your boat. And um, people have been generous from all over the world. We've already raised uh, almost three thousand dollars, and collectively, everybody's walked or rode or paddled uh, almost a thousand kilometers.
2: Now, when people uh, give money, are they giving it uh, as a lump sum, as an increment, or uh, are they doing it per kilometer, for instance?
4: Well, no, you just you give whatever you like whenever you feel like it. We've made suggestions. Uh, Which would be just again for fun to relate it back to the number 70 so seven dollars or seventy dollars But you can give any amount and you as often as you like This is really uh, and I don't see any of the money doesn't come to me. I don't see who contributes I just see the total as everybody else does Um, and uh, uh, Every single penny goes to Haven to create these wonderful and healthy meals
2: uh, the website is walkforhealthandhope.ca, correct?
4: Uh, well, or haventoronto.ca slash yogi hyphen akal. There's two ways you can get there.
2: Two ways you can get there. And yeah. when they do get there, uh, describe, I know you, you talked a little bit about it, but describe a little bit of what they see on the site itself. Well,
4: the first thing you see is that uh, you see an, a cartoon image of me. Because it is my virtual birthday, <laughs> and then you can become a participant, which means you say, "I'm going to do some walking, or some riding, or some paddling," and then you say, "Look, I, I'm you know over the next few weeks, I'm this is my goal. I'm going to walk a hundred kilometers over the course of the next four, five, six weeks," and or you can be a sponsor, and that's where you make a donation.
2: I remember back in the day when we did radio on a regular basis. <laughs> uh, um, you know, I looked at that that caricature of you on. The website, and I, I distinctly remember a little more red in the beard.
4: <laughs> well, this is the loveliness of being seventy. <laughs> there's no more red. There's no more brown. There's no more black. It's all silver. <laughs> what's, what's left of it is
1: silver. <laughs>
2: now you mentioned your dog, uh, who has since passed away, but I don't think you mentioned the name of the dog. So let's give the let, let's give that dog. It's props.
4: <laughs> My dog's name was Beta, B-E-T-A, like I'm Alpha, he was Beta. And again, he did such a wonderful job as a therapy dog because when we would go to schools or hospices or hospitals or rest homes, uh, he, he wasn't the type of dog that would just be cute. Lots of dogs do that and they're, they're lovely and comforting. He would just connect with people. And he made quite an impact doing that, whether he was in on an Alzheimer's unit Or whether he was dealing with someone whose life was fading away or whether with a child who was uncomfortable around dogs and was learning to relax with them but again haven was the place where he would i don't know what it was but you know there were three or four floors in the building and he would not leave until we had actually connected with every single person every time
2: what made you get a therapy dog in the first place
4: i got a dog not a therapy dog And I liked to keep him busy because he was such a good dog. So I would give him training and various different things. And after a while, when I found out about the possibility of certifying your dog as a therapy dog, I thought this would be perfect for him. So we took the time to go through St. John Ambulance and be certified at the top level so he could work with children or anybody else. And then he did that for several years.
2: Mm. Uh, One thing people can... Uh, take a look at because it's also on the website if I'm not mistaken. Is there's a personal note from you, which which goes through uh, various decades, right?
4: <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I, the first note is when I was in Montreal. When I turned forty, we had a party and the whole it was a fundraiser again. And this time, I was for uh, raising money for uh, feeding children before they went to school. It was a breakfast club idea. When I turned fifty, I was in Toronto and i had a studio so i took all the clients and staff and all the students to uh, a broadway show here in toronto mamma mia i had never heard of abba i mean i've heard the name abba but i really had never been a fan and then after i saw the show i became a fan so uh, that was a fun thing to do at 50. at 60 i had another party and this time using the 1960s as a base People came in costume from what they thought were the 1960s. (laughs) They came as hippies or war protesters. And those who had lived in that time told stories of what that had been like. And those who did not just enjoyed the costumes and the great food. So again, when I turned 70, I thought, well, let's have a disco party to celebrate the 1970s. And, uh, you know, welcome platform shoes. But no, that did not happen. Because of the pandemic, we said, "Well, let's have a virtual party instead." Mm. And uh, I'm I'm very pleased that we're able to do that.
2: So, uh, looking ahead, what are you planning for your 80th?
4: <laughs> to get there,
2: <laughs>
4: <laughs> it'll it'll be a party of one. When I cross the finish line at 80, I'll be going, "Oh wow, made it!" Phew. <laughs> It's it's Paul McCartney turned 80 this week. If I turn 80, uh, I'll probably play, play some Beatles songs and enjoy the process. Okay.
2: Well, again, I, it's it's a great idea that you're doing. Uh, please mention the website again and, and uh, the details of how people can get involved. Right. And I'd
4: like to invite people to consider doing something similar, whether it's with Haven or somewhere else, that if you're going to have a party – either do this parallel to the party or if you're in a situation like me where it's not ideal to bring people together quite yet, a virtual party where you're raising money for something that you may have an interest in and keep it simple, but uh, encourage people to be exercising and at the same time collecting a little bit of money. So the website again is www.haven, H-A-V-E-N, slash yogi hyphen a call. And uh, wherever you are in the world, take a moment, go to the landing page. And uh, whether you know me or not, (laughs) uh, I appreciate the well wishes. And more importantly, I appreciate any penny that goes towards feeding. You know, it's a funny thing. People experiencing homelessness, very often we forget that a lot of these folks are a little bit older and easily forgotten. And that's one of the things I like about this facility, because it is a day shelter only. Nobody sleeps there. It's during the day, and there's lots of activities, but most importantly, there's food. And it's, uh, you know, a a wonderful cause from wherever you are in the world. I appreciate any support over the next days and weeks to help us reach our goals.
2: And you mentioned days and weeks. This goes on until July 28th, correct?
4: Right. I figured it's, uh, I'm turning 70, I will celebrate for 70 days. (laughs) (laughs) Since we can't have a party, the virtual party goes on for 70 days. And we're almost halfway through So uh, and of course, you can always make a contribution to Haven birthday or no birthday. But to be part of this, it's it's just a lot of fun to log on once a week and go, hey, it seems to me when I was walking my dog this week, uh, I I think I walked about five kilometers. Let me add that to the group. We started off with the idea of 700 kilometers over 70 days. We're already at over a thousand. And I think people have already committed to almost twenty five hundred. So it's just a fun way to recognize and remember the importance of getting out there. And motion is, motion is the lotion for good health. And this is something we want to encourage. And at the same time, of course, raise a few dollars here and there for uh, uh, this wonderful cause.
2: Well, congratulations. Belated happy birthday. And thank you once again for being on the program.
4: Thank you. It's always a pleasure to be with you.
2: Yogi call. Again, the website he mentioned for Haven Toronto is haventoronto.ca slash yogi-akal. And yogi-akal is spelled Y-O-G-I dash A-K-A-L. You can go to my website at thestufffile.com, go to the page for this program, which is show number 0671, and you'll find links to Yogi Akal's site and also to the Haven Toronto site so that you can do your part in helping to raise funds for this good cause. And whether it's celebrating his own birthday or not, Yogi Akal is always doing good work. You're listening to The Stuff File Program with me, Peter Anthony Holder.
1: Got something for the mailbag?
2: Drop Peter a line.
1: He'd love to hear from you. Send your email to mailbag at thestufffile.com. And remember, stuff is spelled S-T-U-P-H. That's mailbag at thestufffile.com. Or catch up with him on Twitter or Facebook. There's more Stuff File coming your way in just
2: a few moments. Hey, how would you like to become a patron of the Stuff File program? It's easy to do. By going to Patreon.com and becoming a patron, you help to make this show an even bigger and better radio experience. And if you become a regular patron, as a Patreon reward, I'll share with you an electronic version of my book, Great Conversations, my interviews with two men on the moon and a galaxy of stars. You've heard me say on many occasions about the myriad of celebrities I've had the chance to talk to that are contained in my book, which is published by Bear Manor Media. You've also heard me mention that some of the celebrities in my book, and many others, can be heard on our page at Patreon.com. If you've been on the fence about joining Patreon, let me try to pull you over to our side. Join Patreon and claim your copy of Great Conversations, my interviews with two men on the moon, and a galaxy of stars sign up at patreon.com slash the stuff file program
1: available on google podcasts amazon music iheart radio spotify and just about every other way you stream audio this is the stuff file program with peter anthony holder it's radio
2: that's everywhere you want to be
1: In some places you don't.
2: And still to come in the program, we will talk to Mark Hartzman from Weird Historian about a car of the future. We also have an idiot of the day coming your way, plus much more in Stuff File News. Right here, right now. As much fun as it is to yell, Refill Prescription at the pharmacy's Robo Receptionist, only for it to claim, Sorry, I didn't get that. The Spanish government wants to put an end to the practice for its citizens. A proposed customer service bill would require companies to connect callers with an actual human upon request. The bill would also seek to force companies to answer calls within three minutes, said Consumption Minister Alberto Garzón. Far too many companies create bureaucratic labyrinths To stop you from exercising your right to service. If it passes Spain's parliament, the law would apply to all companies over a certain size, as well as to all utility providers regardless of size. I gotta tell you, I must confess I have spent a moment or two yelling at the robo voice from my bank without getting any closer to a human being, so I say Spain may be on to something. And finally, before we get to our next guest here on this edition of the Stuff File program with me, Peter Anthony Holder. New Zealand's Ministry for Environment recently proposed a plan to help curb the country's greenhouse gas emissions. The gist, charging farmers for cow burps. The country is home to 5 million people, but twice that many cattle and 26 million sheep to boot. And almost half of its greenhouse gas emissions come from agriculture. Even so, agricultural gases have so far been exempt from the country's emissions trading program. Well, your free ride could soon be over, Bessie. Starting in 2025, farmers would have to pay for their livestock's emissions by volume. The proposal includes incentives for farmers to reduce gases through feed additives and to use on-farm forestry ...to offset emissions. So it's true. Gas prices are rising everywhere. Even in New Zealand. Anyway, let's get to our last guest here in this edition of the Stuff All program, shall we? Mark Hartzman, the curator of WeirdHistorian.com, is back. Here to share his story for the month of June. Last month, we talked about flying saucers. And this time, we talk about a Dinosphere, which was billed as the car of the future... Mark joins us via Skype from New York. Hi, Mark. Hi, Peter. How are you? Jess Tickety Boo. Thanks very much for being on the program with us once again. I see the picture, and I've actually remember seeing uh, pictures of this and video of this actually rolling. And it makes no more sense now than it did when I first saw it or when I read your article. <laughs> <laughs> but go ahead.
0: It's a pretty amazing vehicle, the Dynasphere. And uh, your listeners, if you go into weirdhistorian.com and just do a search for Dynasphere, you'll see these pictures that uh that you just mentioned and there's video as well cuz you can see a few of these prototypes. But it's a it's an amazing vehicle. It's very odd. Um and it was it was featured in Modern Mechanics 90 years ago this month in June 1932. Basically it was Build is the car of the future, and it had just one wheel. It was one giant wheel that was the entire car. And uh, the inventor's name was Dr. Uh, John Purvis. He basically had—you uh, can see the picture. He si- he seated inside of this giant wheel, and the wheel itself is like a, a lattice work. So, um, as as the wheel turned, as you you know, sort of drove down the the road, yeah. that lattice shape would create enough of a, I guess, window so you could see through the wheel because that's basically what you're looking through. <laughs> or you lean out the side and see what's in front of you, which is, does not seem ideal. But this thing basically uh, had a motor inside. Um, the uh, center of gravity was low. You know, they had the weight of the, uh, the motor and the driver to kind of keep you in place um, so you wouldn't tip over so much and you wouldn't go around like a, a hamster or a gerbil, which is kind of what it feels like to some degree. But this thing would just drive around. Um, it weighed about a thousand pounds. And Purvis made two different kinds of prototypes. One of them had a gasoline motor engine, or uh, gasoline motor that was capable of two point five horsepower. And the other one ran on electricity, which you know, um, may have been a good thing, actually. It could have been an early EV.
2: you know i I said earlier that it seems like a ridiculous idea. And the thing that I found somewhat annoying about this, was that it claims to seat two people. And I'm thinking, it's a pretty cramped situation for two people. But then again, when you think about it, so is a motorcycle.
0: Yeah, well, at least you're behind in the motorcycle. This was, um, you were seated side by side in the the two-seated dinosphere. But they did make wider ones. And there's some prototypes, you can see some video online of some wider dino, dinospheres. But but not just two people. Because three years later, in in June of 1935, there is a feature about uh, Purvis's latest version of it, which was the Dino Wheel uh, motor bus. <laughs> so, this was like a giant wheel that was propelling a bus. So, it kind of had like the, the bus style, you know, um, wider on both sides and obviously uh, longer so you could fit more people in it. And it had smaller wheels in the front and on the sides, you know, one wheel in on the front and two on the sides it could kind of use to control. So, if it tipped a little bit, these smaller wheels would would keep it from tipping over entirely or if it uh, tipped forward a little bit. That front wheel would also keep it from going too far forward and having people spin like you were in a barrel or something. Um, but that was something that also there's sketches you can see on weirdhistorian.com. It's an amazing vehicle. This one, I don't believe there was ever a prototype made. I think this one stayed in sketch form, which is probably good. But um, but I love the fact that you can see this thing driving around the street uh, with the prototypes.
2: Wouldn't it be interesting if all the, you know, if you think back to the movies of the 50s and, yeah, the late 50s, early 60s, if dyno wheels were all checker cabs, <laughs> that'd be almost creepy.
0: That would have been quite, I mean, the cab rides are scary enough as they are, you know, and the, to get into one of these things. But yeah, I mean, the, I love these different futuristic cars were always so inventive. You know, we still don't have the flying car. Um, although there's prototypes of that going on, too. But this one, uh, this was just another one of those visions of the future that never made it there.
2: Speaking of the flying car, isn't this, I mean, uh, totally off topic, isn't this year the birth year of George Jetson? Oh, you know, I don't know. Is it? That's cool. I think it is. (laughs) Someone out there will correct me if I'm wrong. But I think it might be the birth year of George Jetson.
0: That's funny. I didn't know he had a uh, given birth year, although I watched it all the time as a kid.
2: Yeah. So still no flying cars. Uh, looking at the original, as you said, the Dinosphere, uh, the one wheel wonder, as it's described in the picture, um, you say there there are prototypes or there were prototypes. Do we have any knowledge as to uh, their current existence, if any?
0: So that's a good question. So yes, there are prototypes because that's what you'll see driving around. And you'll see the, the, the single rider, but you also see a few people, um, I think that I think the video has up to two people in the in the Dinosphere. I don't know. That's a good question about where they might be today. I haven't seen that anywhere, but as in regards to today, there are uh, people who've created their own what they're calling mono wheels. Um, not the kind that you see people riding on like a skateboard with one wheel or that type of thing. But there are people who've made a large wheel that you sit inside and you can drive around. You can see that on YouTube. It's not as thick as this. It's not gigantic and, you know, incredibly wide and blocking your vision. It's a, more like a thin bicycle wheel that's motorized, and you sit inside and kind of lean back and forth to stare it. So it's kind of, in some ways, coming back in a more modern form, which could be interesting. I mean, there's all kinds of new, interesting ways people are, are exploring for, you know, the sort of future of mobility. Uh, maybe this will make a big comeback.
2: I know we when shall you, see. I know when you were talking about the the, the lattice... Uh, effect to the wheel and the fact that as it spins quickly it it almost disappears giving you clear view Um, again it's a problem that happens with motorcyclists but all I keep thinking is boy I don't want any of the bugs that hit my windshield to actually hit me (laughs) yeah
0: you know, and, and that was a big problem with, yeah, I'm sure they were going right through that lattice and, you know, smacking the, <laughs> the driver in the face. And that was the way it was with, I think, with all early cars. The, the first cars didn't have windshields at all or tops, you know. There was no no roof or windshield. So, um, yeah, that must have been a little tough, uh, and especially, I'm, you know, 30 miles an hour getting bugs hitting you in the face.
2: I'm sure that uh, considering it's it's got that lattice-style wheel all the way around, um, it's got to be kind of wet if the if the road surface is wet. it doesn't have to be raining. just the road being wet can't be helpful
0: yeah, that's another thing that they didn't really address in any of the articles about the dinosaur. Yeah, I guess it's not ideal for rain, that's for sure, and a messy road thereafter, or snow, and then even just dirt on the road, I'm sure it's kicking up all kinds of dust and dirt that's you know going through that that lattice and. Uh, mixing in with the bugs that might be hitting your face. Yeah, so yeah, it just wasn't an ideal vehicle for, for many reasons. Braking was a big one as well. <laughs> also something you really want in a car. Yeah. Would you... <laughs> Braking and steering was, was
2: key. Would, would you try one?
0: You know, I think it would actually... If you watch the video, it does look kind of fun, like in a controlled environment. It, it might be kind of fun to do, as long as you knew, like, okay, it's a safe atmosphere, it's a safe road. I'm not going to tip over. Um, you know, again, just some of the basics you want in transportation. But uh, but it does look kind of fun. I'll say that. for uh, To try it once. Nothing you'd want to do a lot.
2: And, you know, I'm surprised, to be quite frank, I'm very surprised that even though this didn't become an idea, that someone didn't come up with a similar idea for kids, like creating a literally a big wheel. Where you, where you pedal it, but it's like this, and you sit inside it. I'm yeah, su-
0: like a, it's a, a big, big wheel. Yeah,
2: I'm surprised they've never come up with something like that for kids, because you, you think, that'd be great. It would be like, I
0: mean, if it's that kind of thing, it almost feels like a truly a a uh, human sized hamster wheel, right? <laughs> like at that point, if it's just you inside the wheel pedaling, it's <laughs> that's kind of what it becomes. I like it.
2: A human sized hamster wheel. I think we should end it on that note. (laughs) Thank you very much once again, Mark, for being on the program with us. Thanks for having me. Mark Hartsman, author of Chasing Ghosts, a tour of our fascination with spirits and the supernatural. His website is weirdhistorian.com. You can go to my website at thestufffile.com, check out the show number for this program, which is show number 0671, and you'll find links to Mark's site plus links to either amazon.com or amazon.ca where you can order his book directly. You're listening to The Stuff File Program with me, Peter Anthony Holder. I have one more Stuff File news story to share with you before we get to you-know-who. So let's get to that story. Investigators say 23-year-old Tatiana McKeever Gaston arranged a first meeting on a dating app and then arranged for her brother to show up at their meeting place, a parking lot, and rob the man. It didn't quite go as planned. The victim, afraid for his life when confronted by a masked man with a knife, pulled out a concealed pistol and shot the robber. Security camera video caught the whole thing and contradicted the story of what happened that Gaston told responding sheriff deputies. The Hillsborough County Sheriff's Office in Florida has filed murder charges not against the date, but rather against Gaston, since her actions in committing a felony led directly to the death. Her 18-year-old brother was just finishing up his schooling at Carver exceptional center i'm just guessing but his sister probably didn't go to that school herself because there's really nothing exceptional about her and her parents must be so proud anyway you know i could have made her the idiot of the day i i thought about it for a moment but no i didn't do that instead now boys and girls it's that moment you've been waiting for. It's time now for The Idiot of the Day. And now it's time for the strange things adults do. This Stuff off presents The Idiot of the Day. Chief of Police Issa Shahin looked out his office window to see three cars doing burnouts, you know, laying rubber, drag race style, in the police station's parking lot, essentially daring officers to chase them. He was able to get their license plate numbers, and the scene was captured by the station's security cameras, including views of passengers hanging out the windows, taunting officers. His officers were right on top of it. All three drivers were arrested, and all three of their cars were impounded. Shahin says he has been concentrating on reckless and hazardous driving enforcement, as it's the number one complaint for residents. Yeah, we're uh, talking about Detroit here, where at press time they have over 80 homicides this year, so far, over 200 sexual assaults, and an uptick in carjackings at over 70. But yeah, let's focus on hazardous driving. Anyway, I'm, I'm getting off topic. At this point, I have to ask, why? Oh, why? Would you think it's a good idea to taunt cops with drag racing in their own heavily surveillanced parking lot, not to mention the waste of gas at these current prices. One reason, and one reason only, you're an idiot! Gee, I'm only a kid, but even I know you're an idiot. And that's it for this edition of the Stuff File program, number 0671. Hope you enjoyed it. The website is thestufffile.com, and once again, stuff is spelled S-T-U-P-H, where you'll find information and links in all of our guests by going to the weekly Stuff File page. Just look for the corresponding program number, and once again, that's 0671. Email me at peter at You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter as P.A. Holder, and don't forget to check us out on Patreon.com, where you can become a patron of the program. Hope to see you back here for our next show on the air, online, or as a download. We're coming to you from everywhere, including kdxradio.com, truetalkradio.com, streaming on Audible, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio, and over the air on World FM in New Zealand, MediaCore in Singapore, WLSLLP FM in Dade City, Florida, CKUW FM in Winnipeg, CFMU in Hamilton, CKLU in Sudbury, and local 107.3 FM in St. John. That's it. Bye bye.
1: You've been listening to The Stuff File Program with Peter Anthony Holder, a presentation of Flying Fish Communications. We leave you with this deep environmental thought. If we don't do something about global warming soon, eventually there won't be any ice flows left to put our elders on.